Hi, friends. I'm Olivia. I'm Rod. And you're listening to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Just One More Thing from Sunrise Church. Today, we are covering the April 2nd sermon called Truth on Trial. We took a little break, a little pause from First Peter, and now we're looking at the Easter story. So I know we discussed it last night, but you had a very specific goal that you had with this sermon. And the consensus in our family was that... Failed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I can't say it's a goal, but uh, one of the things I like to do, and this is really talking about how the sausage is made, um, I like to bring in something from the side that you didn't expect to create an aha moment. And I usually try to ask, where's that aha moment? And I, I try to kind of tease it out so subconsciously it's it's there hanging. And then when it when it hits you, you go, oh. But evidently, after we took a survey last night in our home, my aha moment was not your aha moment. Well, okay, to be fair, we all did have the, oh, wow, yeah, that's interesting moment. But you were asking us, what's the number one, what's the number one reveal? What's the number one aha moment? And we had several, but, and so yours was one of them, but it wasn't the big one. That y'all received. So let's start with talking about the consensus in our family's aha moment. What did you what did you like about the sermon? What yes. was the big reveal for you? So for the people polled, <laughs> the big aha moment was that the senator that had put Pilate in his position had just recently, maybe a couple years prior, been executed for treason against Caesar. So then when you're looking at the story and the Jews tell him, you're no friend of Caesar if you don't get rid of this guy, there's so much more happening in Pilate's mind that you wouldn't realize before. And none of us had ever heard that in a message before or had read that or knew of that information. So that was huge. And especially because your sermon focused on Pilate, it was like that was the perspective we were looking at for that sermon. We all assumed, oh, of course, this is his big reveal. Of course, this is the aha moment. Yes. So to be more accurate, he was not actually a senator. His name was Sejantus or Sejanus. He was born somewhere between 1 and or 4 and 1 B.C. He proved himself to be a tremendous administrator. Anything that this young man did, he excelled in. And so he was quickly promoted. Uh, Around 27 A.D., uh, Tiberius uh, has him as his right-hand man. And Tiberius goes off to uh, Capri, uh, the island of Capri. Uh, He basically leaves him in charge. And so one by one, he started getting rid of people, and he started amassing power of the Senate. And I guess technically he he was in there, the proconsul and all, but um, what ended up happening was uh, someone kind of let the cat out of the bag that uh, they got word to Tiberius that, you know, you cannot trust him. So Tiberius started working two different things, and this is all history. 
on the one hand, he told uh, Sejanus that he had bigger plans for him, and so he kept stroking his ego. And on the other hand, he was communicating with a member of the Senate and not trusting him. And so what ended up happening on October the 18th, Tiberius had someone go and kind of keep the uh, Praetorian Guard at bay while they ended up uh, basically judging this guy, convicting him, and executing him the same day, October 18th of 31 AD. So at that point, because he appointed Pilate, there's an interesting statement. And uh, when they say, are you a friend of Caesar? There's more going on than just a buddy of Caesar, because at that point, Pilate would be super sensitive to the fact that uh, Tiberius would in any way, shape, or form uh, think that he wasn't loyal to him. And so uh, when you enter that piece of information, you start seeing that at this point, this trial has turned, and Pilate is now interested in covering his own self and making sure his own self is protected. So that was uh, what one person in the congregation told me, the horizontal plane, what was going on over here that he didn't realize. And and that, he thought, was the, the big reveal. What I wanted to be the big reveal is the fact that the passage starts off with telling us the time of day. It was in the early morning. And it ends with telling us exactly what time uh, that he was convicted. It says uh, in verse 14, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. And there's, there's only one thing that's happening at that time. The lambs are getting ready to be slaughtered for Passover. And that's huge. And, and that's where I really wanted to land is I, I wanted people to realize that Jesus is now His death, his conviction, his sentence to death will coincide with the death of the Passover lambs. So that's what I wanted to be the big, big reveal. And and Cameron had an interesting statement on this. Cameron said, on the same night that God spared the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel did not spare God. And I thought that was pretty profound uh, to think about. Because it's the Jewish leaders, it's the chief priests that are condemning Christ to death. And they use the excuse, you and I talked about the excuse they used about we don't have a right to put someone to death. That was a question that I had, because when you mentioned that in the sermon, as we were going through the text, I wrote down the note. They say we have no right to execute But then shortly thereafter, they say, according to the law, he must die. And then especially when you consider what happens in Acts with Stephen, yeah, they do have a right to execute. I wasn't sure by what authority were they thinking we don't have a right to do this because their law says that that's exactly what they're supposed Supposed to do. do. And if they're, you know, religious leaders who are following the law closely, then yeah, they have a right. And, and from their own, from what they've said. So if you take that they didn't carry Stephen before a Roman authority, there's a theory that, uh, you know, Roman law ruled and the empire was basically peaceful 
during this time, during Roman law rule. So they might have had, quote-unquote, a rule, but it seems like the uh, chief priests are choosing when they want to obey that rule or obey that law. And so um, they, quote-unquote, obeyed it with Jesus, but not with Stephen. And it appears that they don't want the culpability that is going to be on them. They want to spread the blame to Rome. Right. But, I mean, if you think about it, too— there is no basis or no reason why Rome would want to bother with it because the charges against him, as the religious leader states, are purely based on the religious law that those people are following, which Rome doesn't abide by anyway. So the religious leaders are saying, hey, this guy broke our law, which Rome doesn't care about. They don't care about that. And right. they're saying, according to our law, he must die. Rome, you must kill him. You know, it's yeah. just, and there's Pilate, so much about this that when you're looking at it, you know, if this was a regular case, like a, a case today where, you know, some religious group was telling another government or another power that has no connection to it at all. Hey, you need to enforce the rules that we've you need made to make in a our judgment. law. Right. It'd be like, uh, no, deal with it amongst yourselves. Yeah, and, and uh, that's the way it began. The way it ends is making it about Rome by saying you're not a friend of Caesar and saying, you know, we have no king other than Caesar. And when they say that, wow, that's huge. That shows you kind of where where uh, your close-mindedness, your you buy into uh, an idea and you ride that idea, and you can ride it down to where you deny everything about yourself. They were denying everything they said they believed in when they swore allegiance to Caesar. They were so focused on one goal, which was to get rid of Jesus, that they didn't really care how that happened. So they're contradicting themselves. They're going against things that, you know, like you said, the day before, they would have never thought that they would have said these things. But they're doing it all just because they have one sole focus. And I do find it interesting. Cameron had another point that I'd like to to bring in. He said, the people in power were fearful, while Jesus, certainly in no humanly position of power, had no fear, despite the fact that he was the only one who knew what his fate would be. So while these people are, you know, so focused on finishing off Jesus and they're contradicting themselves and they're going against, they're trying to follow their religious law, but not following their religious law. And then they're contradicting who should be King in their minds. Anyway, it's all of this crazy stuff and they're bloodthirsty. The only one who knows what the outcome of all of this chaos is going to be is Jesus. And he is perfectly calm. He's very level headed and reasonable and he knows exactly what's happening, but he's not, there's no chaos in him. Yes. And he's in a situation full of chaos. Yeah. And Cameron linked that specifically to Pilate, uh, thinking about people like Cleopatra, thinking about uh, people like Sejanus. You know, these people had power, positions of power. They were appointed to power. And yet they lived in constant fear of when their lives would be taken. And Jesus even though he knew exactly when his life would be taken, he did not have that fear. And uh, I think that's an example and a lesson 
to us because uh, he knew who held his fate, and we know who holds our fate. So we can step into those moments and uh, to be encouraged. Truth was on trial, like I said in my title, because uh, Jesus said, in fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth, and everyone on the side of truth listens to me. So it seems like through the lies, through the misrepresentation, through the manipulation, Jesus faces those things with a calmness, with a certainty, with a trust that he is in capable hands for what's about to happen. All right. Well, we will look forward to part two on Easter Sunday. This was Palm Sunday. Um, And now we're looking forward to Easter when... We know what's gonna, how this is gonna end. The chaos of the message that we got yesterday is gonna end in a really powerful way. So thank you for breaking that down, and thank you all for listening to just one more thing from Sunrise Church. Mm-hmm.